Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. We are currently offering two Sunday services each week. We have a 9 a.m. worship service that you can attend in person or you can watch live online at newhope365.church. And we have a 10.30 a.m. in-person family service for parents and children to attend together. We would love to connect with you and your family however you feel comfortable, either in person or online. And now, here is today's message. Before we get started, I'm just going to pray, just kind of open this up. Um, Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. We live in a wonderful country that allows us to gather and allows us to worship you freely. And Lord, we're just so thankful for that, to be able to come together in the unity of Christ and what he did for us and just celebrate you every, every week we can come and do this and gather We can be encouraged by one another. We can be strengthened by one another. We can be spurred on in our faith and ignited in hope. And we have the freedom to do that here in America. And I'm so thankful for that. Lord, I ask you just to give each one of us the strength to never take that for granted. That we can wake up every day and we can go outside of our doors. We can go to our neighbor's house and we can proclaim the gospel without fear of what's going to happen other than maybe our neighbor not accepting us or accepting you. And even now, Lord, we pray for that neighbor. We ask you to open their heart to receive you and to see you. And Lord, right now today, I just ask you to to move me out of the way so that you can say what you want to say. I ask you to fill me with your spirit. And Lord, only let your truth resound in the hearts and minds of everybody here and everybody listening online. And those online, thank you so much for being here and joining us today, too. Okay, so I'm going to start with a quote from a very famous and awesome philosopher. His name is Snoop Dogg. Some of you might know him. There were two ants in a jar, one black, one red. When the jar is unmoved, the ants don't pay any attention to one another and are amicable. They're able to get along. But as soon as you shake the jar, the ants turn on one another and start and begin to attack. The same thing is happening in society today. And the question that we should be asking ourselves is, who is shaking the jar? Now, I don't constantly read Snoop Dogg. He is not a philosopher I follow. But this quote I saw, and it got me thinking, who is shaking the jar? It took me down this trail in my mind, saying, if I believe that God is who he says he is, and if I believe that he is sovereign, and nothing happens in this universe or on this earth without his authority, then couldn't he be shaking the jar? And I think he could be. But then the next question was, well, why, God? Why would you do that? There's so much destruction happening. There's so much hurt happening. There's so much evil happening. Why would you be the one shaking the jar? The answer is, I don't know. I don't actually know if it's him shaking. But we should be aware as believers that if everything is within his authority, that's a possibility. And it's our job as Christians, our, our response to him should be, well, what is it that we are supposed to do if all of this is your authority? What is our response to what you're doing, what you're allowing 
I think if it is him shaking the jar, stirring things up, causing things to rile up and be stirred and, and different emotions to come out and different viewpoints to come out and Christians kind of sometimes going against each other and world people going against each other, then why is it happening? And I think there are examples in the Bible where God intentionally allows some chaos to bring about righteous people willing to do what he is asking. One example is the wheat in the chaff. When he sends people into the threshing floor of the grain and there's all these stocks and there's grain, there's stocks and there's grain, there's grass and there's grain and there's weeds and there's grain. And it's the person's job to come through with a knife that's not peaceful, that's chaotic, and sort through what is the good wheat and take out the stuff that is not good wheat. Another example is when silver or gold is being processed and refined. It gets heated up by this fire to incredible heats. Again, this is not a peaceful happening. It's a chaotic happening. But what its intent is to take out the garbage, to take out the stuff that is not pure, that is not right in that metal, and get rid of it altogether so that only the true remains. The last example is, comes from one of my favorite all-time stories in the Bible. It is the story of Gideon and his army. That's why we named our first kid after him. There are different tests that God gave Gideon. And the final one was to go and allow his army to drink at the water and to pick out the ones that drank like dogs as his army. Now, they all had to go through different things to test their strength, to test their loyalty, to whatever. That wasn't a peaceful happening. They uprooted, they left their families to go be in, a, in an army that was going to war against an army that was way bigger than they were. So imagine you, dad, grandpa, uncles, aunts, nieces, brothers, sisters, you go to your family and say, I'm leaving. By the way, we're 10, was 100 times outnumbered, big number, outnumbered. We're most likely going to lose, <laughs> but I believe in what this guy Gideon is fighting for, and I believe who he's fighting for, so I'm going. Some guys couldn't handle it. They went back home, and then God said, Gideon, I want you to go last test, last thing to do to, to really purify your army is take them down to the water, whichever ones drink like dogs and not like humans. Those are, those are the guys. Those are the ones I want Again, not a peaceful happening, a little bit chaotic. Gideon was not a leader of an army. He was a small person who never led. But God called him out to do this thing. So the question then comes up, well, what about, what about government structure? What about political parties? What about bad rulers? What about being outnumbered? What about, what about, what about, what about? My response to any of those questions would be in Luke 12, verses 4 and 5. You guys can turn there if you have your Bibles. If you're looking online, Google it real quick. Verse 4, Luke 12. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that can do no harm. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, 
has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Second verse, Luke 12, 25, and 26. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about all the rest? Two scriptures just to think about. But I believe they're a charge to us to remember the things that are happening on this earth are not our ultimate authority. Our ultimate authority is the creator, the God who is master of the universe, who wrote all of this into plan, all of this into existence. So if I take this earth and I say, who's going to be the president? I don't know. And if, he, if this guy is president, then... And if this guy is president, then... Ah! What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to my home? What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my kids? Y'all, I'm a dad. I'm worried about my kids' future in this country and what it could look like. But my ultimate authority and my kids' ultimate authority is God. He is the only one who can number our days. He's the only one who can establish if we are in hell for eternity or if we are in heaven for eternity. He is the only one who can add an hour to our life or remove an hour from our life. Kids, Gideon, Ayla, August, understand this. He is the only one who has authority over your life. And as much chaos as you can see in the news or when mom and dad are talking about this stuff in the car and we're getting upset and our tears are coming down our face, even when you see that, remember what our true heart is, is that you understand that the right authority in the earth is God and God only. When you wake up tomorrow, he is your ultimate authority. When you lay down to sleep, he is your ultimate authority. In 20 years from now, if we see that day, he is our authority. I'm not promised to see your wedding. I'm not promised to see your graduation. I'm not promised to see who your grandkids are, what they look like. I'm not promised any of that. But what I do know is that God will always be. Please understand this and follow him. Listen to him. Questions that arise when I read stuff like this are, who is God when Herod was killing all the babies. And you guys can answer this. And when you're listening online, you can answer too. Who was God then? Who was God when Augustus was ruling and just slaughtering Christians? Who was God when Paul, before he became Paul, and before he became a follower of Jesus, who was God when he was out chasing the Christians, hunting them down and murdering them? Who was God when Hitler was attacking the, the, the Jews and putting them down? Who was God when Anne Frank was writing an incredible book from her attic space, hiding? Tomorrow, when we have a ruler or an authority figure in government standing, who will be our God? Who will be your God? Is it the same one 
that was still in authority in all those times? Yeah, it's the same God. Yes, same authority. Yes, same character. What I'm going to ask you to do is just kind of close your eyes as I read Proverbs 8. It's just a reminder of who God is. Proverbs 8. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way? At the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words in my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, When he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. And this is just one of the many descriptions of the character of God. It is his wisdom that was here before anything on the earth was formed. Before mountains had their shape, before the waters had their boundary, God's wisdom reigned. 
before any ruler had authority, before any prince was established. God was established. So as we are engaging in society and in culture right now, we, it might be Facebook, it might be Instagram or Twitter, or it might be just over a cup of coffee. Remember that when you are engaging with somebody, you are engaging on behalf of the representation of God. And so the, the main idea of the message today is that we would bring about change in our culture by way of our spheres of influence. We can't do that if we are taking up the character that all the world is taking up. So when somebody starts lashing out at you about some political party or about some policy or about some thing, if we take up the same attitude that the world is taking up, then we are influencing by the way of the world. However, let's not forget when you are doing that and people know that you're a follower of God, who then are they seeing in you? Are they seeing a God of mockery? Are they seeing a God of spewing wrath? Are they seeing a God who lashes out at people he loves just because he wants to be right? Are they seeing a God who would instantly say, well, what about this, and then slam somebody's character just because they have a different viewpoint than you? I don't believe my God is that God. And so when I engage, if I were to engage in these conversations with people, I want to remember that I should bring the same character of wisdom that we just read about, bring that and let that be the thing that shines out. I don't care if you engage in the conversation, but remember who you're representing. When people see and hear and know your response, make sure that they understand that this might be how God is. And then be so drawn and enticed by that difference that they would begin to question and follow God. They might lay down their trust in the governmental structure. They might lay down their trust in policy. And they might start to pick up their trust in God. Because you were a good representation in your spheres of influence. God is our direct source of wisdom. The difference between that, that time and now, Proverbs 8, the difference between that time and now is that we have actually seen the given fulfillment of the promised Jesus. So if Solomon could write this beautiful passage in Proverbs 8, not knowing if Jesus was actually coming, and then we get all the way to today and we like, we know he came. We, there's lots of evidence that says he came. There's the evidence in my own life of what he's done in my spirit. Then we should have even more of an incentive and even more of an encouragement to wake up day by day and be a representation of that same Jesus. Because we've, we've seen the fulfillment of the promise. And there's even more that has been promised that we eagerly await to be fulfilled. Right? We still know that he has promised to come again. We still know that he has promised to come and make all things right and take us to heaven. So it doesn't matter what's happening. When Jesus comes and he makes all things right, did we represent him well enough that there's a lot of people coming with us and a lot of people who can be made right with him? I want to be able to say yes. I'm going to give you a really very small example of the importance of a 
how our character models God in us. A couple weeks ago, I was trying to work. I was home by myself, and all three kids were doing their school. I was trying to get my work done. They were done with school, so they're playing, and I'm like, I got this phone call. I have to do these things. I just need you to go be somewhere else. I gave, I gave them one instruction. They weren't doing that. So I said, all right, here's your consequence. Go pick up the dog stuff in the backyard. <clears throat> Gideon, Augie, Gideon's like, okay, Dad, I'm he's, he's going. He's, he's got a lot of my personality, and he just kind of goes with it. Augie, on the other hand, our youngest, is like, ah! just screaming, like as mad as he can be. So he goes out there. I can still hear him screaming as he's maybe helping. I don't know if he's even helping. I don't care, really. I just want him, I just want them away, right? Because I had to get my work, this thing done. So I hear him throwing his fit. Gideon's just like, no, just go over here. Pick the, what, this is how it works. Blah, 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 blah. Here, I'll help you. I'll do this. I'll do that. And Augie's still screaming the whole time. Like, he's has his, he has his moments that he can just out. He can, get, he can escape this anger. He can escape it. And all of a sudden, I hear this crash. And I'm like, I know that sound. That's broken glass. So I hop up. I open the door. I poke my head around the corner. Am I still in view? Put my head around the corner. Look at my window for our bedroom. Golf club. Sticking right out of our window in our bedroom. And I, I look. I look at Augie. I look at Gideon, who's running away. And so I know, it's, I, know I knew it was August. I look at him. Take a deep breath. And I hear God say, what character do you want him to see? So I put my hands on my head, and I walk back inside. And I just calmed down, because I was mad. I was mad. So I just started focusing on what do I need to do to fix the temporary hole in the glass. I go grab a cardboard out of the garage. I find duct tape or whatever. Then I go back outside, and Augie's still just, I mean, first of all, as soon as I threw my hands on my head and walked away without saying anything, he melted, just started crying, like sobbing. So I knew, I knew as I walked away and could hear this, that he felt his mistake. He felt his wrong. And so as I continued to grab the cardboard and fix my window, I knew, I already knew he felt the weight of his sin. And so for me to go and continue to harp on that sin would only be, that would not be, it would not be exemplifying the character that Christ has shown me. So I went out in the yard. I kept working on it. I was still mad. I still raised my voice a little bit. You should not have thrown the golf club. Golf clubs aren't for throwing. Right? I realized as I gave it the rest of the afternoon, I waited until Cameron got home to really have this conversation, but I realized I, I wasn't even mad about the window. Just like God is not mad at you for your consequences that happen when you sin. What we, what we need to understand is what caused the sin. And where Augie's, where his real mistake was, was his anger. So no longer was I going to talk to him about a window. But I needed to talk to him about his anger. But the thing that just kept ringing true that whole afternoon was what God told me. I heard it. What character of me do you want, do you want your son to see? And that, that weighed heavy on my heart because I didn't want him to see an angry God. I didn't want him to see a God that would instantly come and bring, bring down the, the hammer. 
I wanted him to see the same God that I wake up and I see every day, who reminds me of the things that I'm thankful for, who reminds me of the things, the reasons that I have to be joyful, who remind me that the end of time is coming and he's still in control, that remind me that, that when I do mess up, he still loves. And so when we go out into the world and we have the opportunity to engage with people, do, which character trait of God do we want them to see? Every one of you has a different circle of influence in your life. If, if racism is a topic that is passionate about you and God is stirring up within you, then increase your realm of influence and go and bring about the character of God changing that circle of influence. If it is abortion, then go expand your circle of influence so that you can bring the character of God to that issue and begin to show people the character of God that makes that so needing change. If it's red or blue, if it's whatever, whatever the issue is, if that is stirring strongly in you, it might be something God has specifically placed in you. Don't go and make it a charge against the whole world. God, I ask you to show me where I need to expand my influence so that I can bring the change you want. And when I start seeing these issues, especially, I will say, especially the issue of racism, and I realize that I go and I coach my son's flag football team, and there's every, there's, there's only two non-minorities on my team. What circle of influence impact can I have on these young boys? I can show them that there is so much love in the world, no matter the skin color, no matter the issue. Boys, I am what you see, and this is how I'm going to treat you. Because my God has treated me such, in such a way. So the question then is, how do we do that? We're going to do a little exercise. Those who are online can participate as well. But at your tables, you're, I guess you're kind of in circles. So this is a circle of influence you're sitting at. But we're actually going to pray. We're just going to do a minute at a time. But we're going to pray through Romans 12. <clears throat> asking God to change our inward response first. There are things that we might hear in the world, and when we hear the word Biden, when we hear the word Kamala, when we hear the word Trump, when we hear the word Pence, when we hear the word racism, when we hear the word abortion, when we hear all these words, there is something inside that you feel. And that may or may not be lined up with God. So first in Romans 12:1 it says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will his good pleasing and perfect will so what we're going to do in your little circle for 1 minute for 60 seconds and those online do the same thing you're going to pray that God would begin to change your immediate response to some of those things that are happening in the world today. When you hear the word Biden, when you hear the word Trump, when you hear the word racism, when you hear the word abortion, whatever those things are, you know what they are. You've been thinking about them for months. Ask God to begin to change your view and align it with how he sees it. Because we won't be able to do anything with our circles of influence appropriately if it's apart from God. Okay, so 60 seconds.
Five seconds. Okay, start wrapping it up. And everybody said, amen. amen. Step two. And if you, whoever's running media back there, Alice, I think it's you. You're incredible. Can you put up the little diagram? I know it's really uh, simple and plain and might even be considered ugly by most, but <laughs> this is my artwork. And uh, this is how I thought best to explain it. So first, we prayed for our internal thoughts and attitude. That has got to change before we can expand our circles of influence. First, make sure the Holy Spirit is influencing your internals. Right? So second is Romans 12, 3 through 13, and I'm just going to summarize what this is. But it is that we do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all others. And the verse I really want to focus on is verse 12. No, no, no. Where is it? Oh, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. So this next 60 seconds, we're going to pray for our physical response. How is it that we can show those people around us, those people in our different circles of influence, how is it that we can actually display your character to them physically? Okay, so that's the next 60 seconds. And go. Fifteen seconds. And everybody said, Amen. The last part is actually our is our outward response. So wherever that little diagram is, it's our external thoughts and attitude, right? So it's not just that we go and we might be thinking, all, this is me, right? I can be thinking all the cynical things in my mind. And every time somebody says something that just sounds stupid, that is why I think about it in my mind. I'm like, that's so stupid. But I keep my mouth, grip my teeth, and just keep serving as I can with my physical response, right? But we need to be able to pray that God would give us the boldness to open our mouth when we need to. But have the ability to do that peaceably, showing the character of God. And I'm not saying that there's not times, don't hear what I'm not saying to you. There are times when in your relationship with people that you have, the, you have the authority because they've asked you, they've given you the authority in their life to say something that might call them out for a wrong. But there's a lot of people that you don't have that authority in their life. And you don't need to say that. 
as powerful as Jesus in you may be, to dis- discover or uh, give you the what's it called? discernment that something is going on in their life, if they have not given you that authority in their life, it will not display the good character of God to them. Okay? So we got to be able to pray for our external thoughts and attitude to also reflect God's character. It's no longer just an internal thing, right? It's no longer the Romans 1 part, but it's now the Romans 14 part. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. Do not, pray, do not repay evil for evil, but be careful and do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. So often we forget when we're in a moment. We've got to take up our stance and have the, have the right and be right and call out the evil and Get the vengeance for the wrong. Y'all, that's not our job. It's God's job. We got to display his character and allow him to do what is his authority. So, last 60 seconds and then we'll wrap it up. We're praying for our outward, our external response and attitude, our external thoughts and our external attitudes. Okay, go. And everybody said, amen. So I didn't give you guys a buffer time. I didn't give you like a 15-second warning. Sorry. So, Lord, just to close this up, I pray right now that everybody in this room would begin to consider you and consider your will first as we go into this holiday, this next week, where we're going to see family. And there might be conversations that want to steer us down that path. But I ask you, God, to remind us that it is your character that we want them to see. I ask you, God, right now that anybody that we currently see as an enemy— Lord, we just pray blessings over them. We speak your blessing over them. We ask you, God, to go and invade their life right now with your love, with your peace, with your kindness, with your joy, with your gentleness, with your self-control, and with your love. Thank you, God, for those people in our lives. 
as hard as they are to be around, thank you for them. Thank you for creating them. Thank you for fashioning them the way that they are. I ask you, Lord, to bless them. And Lord, let me be a blessing to them. And Lord, just give us the strength to do all these things when we go out into the world. Our first response is flesh. And our first response so often is not your character. So Lord, I, we just, I just ask right now that you'd give everybody the strength in their body, in their souls, to take a minute and consider your character before responding or reacting. So that, every, so that the world may see you, your true character, and your true heart for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to visit our website at newhope365.church. That's newhope365.church, where you can access past sermons and devotional series, get connected to one of our life groups, and keep up with the latest information about everything that is happening here at New Hope 365.